Welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, but you might know me as Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram. And my name is Jacob, and you may know me as Foodafan on Instagram, and I have a blog at foodafan.com. Episode 1. Tokyo Inklings is a podcast focused on the fountain pen world in Japan. And we wanted to start this podcast because there's not a lot of information on fountain pens and the general fountain pen scene in Japan in the English language. You, you find some scattered bits and pieces, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jacob, in Japanese. But that information is quite scattered and it's not really in a unified form. And certainly, I don't think there's an audio form of,、uh, of information in,、uh, about fountain pens in Japan. Right. There are a few blogs here and there, some of them quite cryptic. And there's even less information in English. Of course, our friend Bruno has done an amazing job explaining the pen scene in Japan over the years on his blog. But we think there is an opportunity here to do a podcast where we talk about the pen scene, new brands, new models, and so on. Yes, exactly. And so this podcast aims to deliver a kind of insider's perspective on what's arguably the holy land of stationery. And speaking of with Jacob, what do you think it is about Japan that makes it that holy land? Because every time I, I go on online forums and、uh, especially fountain pen related, Everybody seems to really focus and hone in on Japan as this is the place for stationery. Yes, I'm sure there are many factors here, but one observation many people make when they come to Japan is that this is a very paper based society. So,、hmm. whether you go to the ward office to renew your residence card or you go to Yodabashi to get a new phone, You sign up for a new credit card or bank account, or even go to your local gym to sign up. You're going to be filling out paper forms, often lots and lots of paper forms. This is also a place where people use paper planners a lot.、Uh, many salarymen have these ubiquitous black four letter note planners, for example. And this is also, I would say, a place where they do emphasize handwriting. They put a lot of attention. And handwriting. So, I have a son in elementary school, and in his、uh, Japanese or Kokugo class, they spend a lot of time perfecting these hane, tome, and harai strokes that make up Japanese characters.、Mm. So, it,、mm. it's not enough for the characters to be legible, they, actually, they have to be beautiful as well. So, if you're going to be doing this much handwriting, starting from an early age, you might as well have a nice pen. So,、um, just for our audio listeners,、uh, Jacob, can you explain to me what those strokes are exactly? The、uh, Hane stroke is that little hook, and the Tome stroke is this just straight line, and then the, the Harai stroke is this side stroke that is perhaps the, the one that takes the longest to perfect, and that ties into perhaps later discussions about Naginata Toginibs and so on that are meant to.、Uh, Uh, make the harai strokes in particular beautiful. Right, and I think we're going to talk a lot about that particular grind,、uh, especially even in future episodes. But、uh, that's interesting because it seems like then there is a national, let's say, focus on writing even specific strokes. It's not even about character forming yet, but particularly on when you put the pen to paper, how important it is for each stroke to come out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say that I think one reason why you have a wide、mm. variety of specialty nibs here and so on 
uh, of course, that is not just unique to Japan. You have interesting nibs in China as well. But obviously, Asian handwriting differs from Western handwriting. To make the, their characters as beautiful as possible, uh, there are different kind of nibs you can use. Right, and I think it's interesting because uh, you mentioned that you know obviously every there are places that um, that focus on handwriting outside of Japan. But I also think something else that makes Japan quite special is that it's kind of uh, let's say the land of fandom. There are a lot of fandoms here in Japan, and then when we get away from the as you said the regular black um, diaries that the salarymen all seem to have. You also move into this area where there are a lot of,、um, say, cute washi tape、um, collectors, and something that we'll touch on later, of course, is that a lot of the newer、um, people who are getting into fountain pens seem to be younger,、um, more female-oriented, and very much into inks.、Um, so I think there's definitely an aspect of、uh, of fandom、uh, in. In the scene as well, and that helps the scene thrive not just in fountain pens but in stationery generally. Overall, that people are really focused on collecting、um, cute little bits of things that they can use in their everyday lives. Yeah, absolutely, and we see that at the pen shows. We see that at the pen club meetings where we go.、Uh, I guess we'll talk more about that later. But but you have.、Uh, In the pen club groups, say you have two broadly two categories of people. You have the、uh, the older collectors who are more into vintage pens; they're looking for their their Barney pens and so on. And on the other hand, you have a younger generation of people who are sort of kakuno hackers. They like inks. They like paper planners. Uh, they like you know washi tape and just you know cute stationery. And what I like about our pen clubs here is it has room for both of these groups. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I think is that、um, something that's quite different from, let's say, the United States is that I think Japan is quite small,、uh, physically in terms of geography. So a lot of、um, a lot of the stores, at least in Tokyo, are quite accessible to everybody. Even the furthest stores, I'd say,、um, say Penpoint in Tama, you know, maybe it takes you. An hour and a half on the train、uh, to get there, so it's not、um, inaccessible. And as a result, at least compared to the U.S., it seems like there's a much more thriving brick and mortar culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are several reasons why they're popular. Especially in Tokyo, they're more accessible. It's not uncommon to go shopping during lunch or after work. Also, what these retail stores do well is that they. They do events like uh, pen clinics, uh, ink blending workshops, hand lettering workshops. They often have cafes. It's an experience to go there. They are, as you say,、uh, still thriving. So,、uh, on that note, maybe we should do a quick overview of what stores we have here. Yeah, sure. And I think it's also a good opportunity to look at、um, not only the brick and mortars, but also generally how. The scene works. I mean, there are a lot of different players, right? There are brick and mortars, there are online retailers, you have auctions, shows, and then、yeah. pen clubs, and、uh, and this is going to be a deep, deep topic. But let let's go over a bit how how in general the scene works before we jump into the、uh, exact stores. 
Yes, so um, retail stores, you have a few old ones, big old ones that have been around for a while. They have a wide selection of pens. And then you have a number of smaller specialty stores that tend to focus on a limited edition uh, pens and inks mm. and so on. Then you have, as we mentioned before, various pen clubs. I guess we'll talk about that more later. There are various events throughout the year. There are ink-focused events. There are paper-focused events. There are general stationary events. There are fountain pen events both for new pens and for vintage pens. And of course, there's a big second-hand market also online. So that, that's broadly the, the scene, I would say. I think that's interesting because I, I think when we talk about then brick and mortars, there are two very distinct types of brick and mortar stores, as you mentioned, that the old stores that kind of carry all of the, um, let's say, the classic items, uh, your um, black... Um, Pilot Custom 74s, your Sailor um, Prophet 1911s, um, you know, Platinum, of course. But then you have a different type of brick and mortars that almost make all of their money based on exclusive um, releases. And it seems to me that the second type, which are focused on exclusives, are close but not exactly the same to online retailers in the sense that they depend on the exclusives, the store exclusives um, and the other special products that they come out with to survive. But as a result, there is almost a feverish, let's say obsession with these second types of brick and mortar. And they seem to get a lot of attention from, especially the younger crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those smaller stores that are focused on limited editions, I think they are targeting the enthusiast community while the bigger ones are, some of the customers are people just buying gifts, you know, graduation gifts and, and so on. And, and you don't necessarily need a limited edition for that. You want your, your, your black custom mm. 74. Right. And I know, Jacob, you are a big fan of Marzen. Yes, so let's talk a bit about the <laughs> the stores. The big two, of course, are Itoya and Marzen. So Marzen has been around for over 150 years and it's been hugely influential in Japan. And I think we should probably do a separate episode just about Marzen because there's so much to talk about there. But they have their flagship store in Nihonbashi where, with a wide selection of both Japanese pens and imported pens. And you will find not so many, I would say limited editions as such, but you will find some pens that aren't widely available elsewhere, like these sailor pens for left-handed people, for example. And of course they have inks, including their own line of Athena inks, which by the way, have been around for over 100 years. And not far from Marzen, you have Itoya's flagship store in Ginza with 12 or I believe 13 floors. Uh, of which one is just dedicated to fountain pens and ink. And they sometimes have uh, some limited editions, typically pilot pens. Again, they are not really focused on, on exclusives and limited editions, I would say, but they have a very wide variety of pens. It seems like Itoya is really, um, they, they have a good relationship with pilot, of course. So they have these um, special pilot pens that are Itoya exclusives, but we don't really hear about that, do we? Because it's, it's still kind of the muted, um, more focused towards either gift items or um, 
let's say, office work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, neither Marazen nor Itoya are, are big on social media or even online. So they both have uh, have online stores, but they only have a few items there. And their social media accounts mm. are not even close for what you find in, in the Western world with, you know, up-to-date uh, product releases and so on. So they seem to focus on the, the brick-and-mortar mm. store, the traffic they get there. And mm. some of the other stores, they... They don't even sell online. Uh, I guess we will get more into that later, but there are some stores that yeah, they don't sell anything online. They want you to come to the store to buy their inks and so on. Yeah. And and those tend to be the ones with these super exclusive limited editions, right? I mean, the one in Shizuoka. Let's talk a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so there's this chain of stores in Shizuoka called like Bungukan Kobayashi. I haven't actually been there myself, but I believe there's one of them in particular in Shizuoka City that has these Kobayashi inks, which are very popular here. And they also have their mm. own limited edition sailor pens. There are two ways you can buy them. Either you go to Shizuoka to the store, or a few times a year, they attend events in Tokyo. So Tokyo International Pen Show and the Tone and Limbs shows and so on. But you cannot generally buy these pens online. Yes, so I've actually tried to do it. Um, and they're very active on Instagram. So I sent them a message on Instagram and I had to beg them to ship me. And th their response to me was like, oh, we don't really ship uh, but maybe we'll do it for you. We'll consider about it. So I think part of their trade is, of course, limiting the availability of these pens in that you can't get these pens. So when we're at a show, y'all better yeah, line and up. And it seems to work both at the Tokyo International Pen Show and at the smaller shows we've been to. The longest queue tends to be two Kobayashi's booths and the newest inks, they sell out in minutes. Yeah, I waited, how long? I waited for like an hour to get to Kobayashi and when I got there, they said, oh yeah, our ink sold out in 14 minutes, I'm sorry. Yes, a few months ago, we went to a Tono Limbs ink event and Kobayashi sold three new inks with some glitter and not only did you need a ticket to get into the actual ink event. You need a special ticket to buy these Kobayashi Tone and Limbs ink. Yes, if you weren't there early, you're gone. And that's how a lot of these brick and mortars survive, right? They they make a lot of their money on these events. And then in the regular season, let's say when they're at their home stores, they invite people to come out and visit their stores. And that's something that's quite interesting because all over Japan, in these brick and mortar stores, they have special deals with mostly Sailor, mostly Sailor, and they call them the Gotochi Ink. Another ink brand, and we mentioned that briefly before, but another ink brand you see a lot more of, starting last year really, is Tono and Limbs, which is this uh, Korean-Japanese brand. And they have really gotten into this whole limited edition uh, store-exclusive game. So there are so many shops, big and small, that have their own Tono and Limbs inks now. As friends of us, they just started their own shop. They already have their own limited edition Tono and Limbs inks. So that, that is something that has just has exploded for the last few months. Yeah, and do you think this helps the brick and mortars stay in business? I'm not sure. I was wondering about these stores up in, you know, Hirosaki and, and, and Hiroshima. Right. I haven't been to most of these stores. I don't know how many customers that they get on a daily basis, but you can't help wondering if it wouldn't make sense for them to at least try online selling. 
So I've been to the one in,、um, in uh, Nagasaki, Nagasaki Manen Biyoin.、Right. Uh, and it's this old school kind of store. It looks like a pharmacy. You know, those pharmacies where you go in and it's like、um, all glass, and then there's the, there's the medicine cabinet, and then you sit down from the pharmacist and you have a chat.、Right. So it looks exactly like that. And they have a store exclusive King of Pen. And I think when I was there, we were there like 20 minutes, there were a group of three people who came in. And I think a lot of these older stores in, let's say, the countryside, they're driven by their existing clientele that have been going to these stores for, for a long time. And I think、um, actually something that might be interesting is that in、um, the more countryside areas, I wonder if we have a higher percentage of Fountain Pen users since it's more conservative. And, and a lot of these people, their grandparents,、um, their parents would have been using fountain pens and going regularly to these.、Stores. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think it would be interesting to do a, a separate episode about those shops where a friend of ours, Daniel, has been to most, if not all of them, and, and has a lot of stories to tell. So I, I would love <laughs> to do a separate episode with him about the、uh, Inaka pen scene. Yeah. Let's move on to online retailers then. Yeah, so we mentioned Itoya and Marosen, and they don't have much online presence. Then you have Bangbox, quite famous in the West. They have this tiny little shop in one of the Jingumai back streets, but they also have an online store. I imagine that they get a fair number of、uh, overseas orders through their online store. But Jacob,、um, Bungabox, also you didn't mention. They're actually not based in.、Yes, so、their first store was in Hamamatsu, but I know that Kaoru has moved to Tokyo. So she is runs the, the Tokyo store now, but you're right that the first and the biggest store is in Hamamatsu. Yeah, and that's interesting because then it's like Tokyo is like their second store. When I go there, they say that their honten or the, their、yeah. main store is in Hamamatsu. And I don't know the ratio of the products that they have there. Yeah, because again, the, the Tokyo store is so small. They have a few pens, there's a little bit of paper, but that's pretty much it. And you can be maybe a max, like four or five people in the shop. Another shop here that has both a book brick and mortar and online is the Kingdom Note in Shinjuku, which is a sort of、mm. similar concept to Bongbox in the sense that they have the limited edition sailor pens, they have their own line of inks. But what Kingdom Note Is also known for it is their second hand markets. They buy and sell second hand pens, and it might be one of the best places to buy otherwise sold out limited edition、uh, pens. And we have friends that are always looking at the latest inventory updates on Kingdom Note to see if something new has come in. You can also sell your pens back to Kingdom Note. So they both trade in、um, new pens, of course, but I'd say they're. Main business is the exclusives and the、yes. secondhand stuff. And then to our favorite, favorite type of store. Yes, <laughs> we like Yahoo Auctions. We, we send each other links to auctions there. So Yahoo Auctions is like a Japanese eBay. And if you're looking for some,、uh, some rare anniversary sailor bamboo pen with some exotic nib or some old pilot pen with a Interesting filling system, then Yahoo Auctions might be the best place. 
I think prices have gone up recently as it has become more accessible to overseas buyers, but there's a lot of interesting vintage stuff there. Mm. Um, another good place to buy mm. secondhand pens is Mercari, which unlike Yahoo is not an auction. Mercari calls itself a Frima app or flea market app. So the seller decides on the price. And sometimes you can negotiate the price in a comment section. But Mercari is very popular in Japan. People sell all kinds of stuff on Mercari. And you often find people who clearly aren't really into fountain pens. They are, you know, selling their grandfather's pens or whatever. They don't really know what it is. They put up a blurry photo and the description doesn't necessarily make sense. But you can find some fantastic prices there for, for that reason. But you have to be active because those yeah. good deals on Medicare, they disappear in seconds. It's like a flash on the screen. But if you put in the time, you can find some amazing deals on Medicare. So Jacob, did I ever tell you that I used to tell live me about with it. the founder of Medicare? <laughs> no, uh, when he was starting out, we were living in this uh, small shared apartment. He had the smallest room. He was the, probably the hardest working guy uh, that I've ever met in my life. But I mean, Obviously, Mercari is a huge success now, not just for fountain pens, but for for all sorts of items. And Mercari is very interesting because, as you said, a lot of people who don't know what they're selling tend to sell a Mercari because they just want to get, um, let's say, a quick buck. Yeah, you said that Mercari is very popular. It's one of the few Japanese tech unicorns that had a successful IPO a few years ago. So they're, they're very big. The secondhand market is obviously extremely active because these Yahoo auctions, I mean, my goodness, they are like, they, it's like a war zone out there. Like you need to get on top of what you want if you really want it. And sometimes, especially for the rarer stuff, you better be prepared to pay. Yeah, so you, you and I have different approaches there. You, you chase the rare collector's editions, while I, I buy the most boring standard production pens. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to buy, if you want to get like, a Mont Blanc 146 uh, cheaply, then Yahoo Auctions is perfect because at any time, at, at any time, there's going to be like 50 listings and there's only so much interest out there. So you're likely to get a good price on at least one of them. Yeah, but then with all these moments, somebody always seems to be bidding on it. And I just don't know who's who. Yeah, I'm sure some of that are, you know, people like uh, Fujisan from, from Eurobox. If he sees that he can get something for a lower price, then he will be able to resell it at uh, his shop. Yeah, and that's just, uh, it's just quite interesting that it seems that even though when we go to um, shows or when we, when we meet up, it doesn't seem like there are too many um younger people in the the main clubs at least the the, the general um conception but then when you go on the yahoo auctions a lot of these pens that you think all the collectors already have actually there are a lot at least for yahoo auctions i think you have you have people outside japan especially like taiwan and hong kong and china that are they're bidding for some of the more exotic collector's items if you want to get the new pen at a good price you don't have to go online there are these discount shops in tokyo and i think my favorite is marui shoten so you take the train to you know, okachimachi station this older part of tokyo you get off the train and there's this older sort of worn down building 
with a, some small shops there they're selling lighter they're yep. selling some souvenirs and some cheap looking gadgets and then you see this kiosk and it looks like the kind of place where you would buy like a pack of cigarettes uh, or a newspaper but you look closely at yep. the display and say hey that's a Mont Blanc Hemingway that is a Pelican Macchiere that is a custom <laughs> Yotsubishi with, with rather decoration. There's a Sailor King of Pen, Platinum Izumo, and so on. So you have this small little shop that has this amazing collection of rare high-end pens. And not only that, but the prices are good. So for many of the Japanese pens, at least, it's 30% off retail price. So not only is it 30% cheaper than Itoya and Marazen, but it's often cheaper than you can find on Amazon um, and rock temp and it's a proper legit shop they you know they give you a japanese warranty but you do right. have to pay cash that, that's the only catch i guess so i helped uh, mr paperlate um slack when he was here in japan uh we went over to maru and we bought um a custom urushi and he said it was like 50 percent off of what they were asking for in the u.s and the interesting thing is that um whether you buy online i think if we're eBay, a lot of people are worried about like scams and, um, you know, are they actually going to get what they actually ordered, especially with Mont Blanc. I think um, a lot of people are worried that they make it fakes when they buy off of eBay. Um, but I have never had to worry about that when uh, ordering from Yahoo Auctions or Medicare. If I see a picture, obviously, you know, exercising my good judgment, but the only problem I sometimes have is if you're trying to buy a sailor. So what was called 1911S and 1911L in EU and US is called Profit 21 here and Profit 21 Standard. And people sometimes aren't sure whether they're selling Profit Standard or Profit 21. Uh, and I have at least on two occasions bought uh, the small one when I thought I was buying the big one. But um, I actually have been, have been uh, a bit disappointed in my purchases a few times but mostly buying um western pens but two wall ever sharps that was uh, a bit disappointed with and uh, yeah. and those are yeah. pretty expensive pens um anyways uh let's go on to our next topic which is uh pen yes clubs so, and shows. so there are a few pen clubs here in japan and i think yeah as far as i know the biggest one is wagner which we're both a member of and wagner has these uh, club meetings and events all over japan and here in tokyo they have the so-called terekai or regular meetings in suidobashi a few times a year and the way these meetings work is that in the morning people are chatting with each other there's a little bit of trading going on and then in the afternoon there is usually a presentation of, of some kind it, when i've been there a few times it's been mr pilot as we call him has been talking about you know pilot history and so on so these are fairly small events and then a few times of year they have bigger events so there's the spring event there's the autumn event there's the year-end bazaar and then it's the biggest one of them all, which is the pen trading in Tokyo. It's usually around Golden Week, but this year I think it's in June. And that is usually a two-day or a three-day mm. event where, again, you have both you know, the, the vintage collectors and, and the, the vintage traders with lots and lots of black ebonite pens of various kinds. And, and you have people like Fujisan from Eurobox is usually there. Tsunami-san, who is uh, known for, for his book with the Lambro Fountain Pencil Japan, he's usually there looking for deals. 
But then you also have the younger generation, people who are selling these, um, you know, these decorated kakuno pens with fish bowls and crescent fillers, and some people making their own uh, pen cases or the, their own planners and so on. It's, it's so fun to see like, at one table you have these crescent filler kakunos, at the next table you have Mr. Pilot with his old anniversary pilot. Yeah, so Wagner clearly is a big part of the enthusiast ecosystem in Japan. I don't think there are any mm. uh, pen enthusiasts who aren't aware of Wagner. But Wagner is also quite special, right? Because it's a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, so, so Wagner is led by Mr. Mr. Mori. Uh, actually, Wagner has been around for, I think, over 15 years now. I don't know if he's been in charge the whole time, but he's definitely the one in charge now. And he is you know, running these events. He is also uh, working with pen makers to produce Wagner exclusive pens every year. So it's usually some kind of platinum because he's a good friend with platinum's president. And sometimes there are these Taiwanese pens from Fine Writing International. So every year he, he's selling those. And he's also a, um, a, a pen doctor himself. So he's offering a nib grinding at these pen shows. Yeah. And... Um... I've never personally had one of his grinds because obviously I grind myself, so I no need for his uh, services. But he claims to have ground the most platinum pens outside of platinum. The company. yeah, I'm not sure I have have to verify that that claim, but but he does seem to to do a lot of nib grinding. <laughs> so what he's done, I think last year or the year before, he started separate from Wagner. He started his own pen clinic. So there's a small, I think there's actually just a, an apartment in Mita in Tokyo that he he has turned into yeah. his own, I think it's yeah. called a Danwashitsu, so like fountain pen lounge. And at this fountain pen lounge, he does a pen clinic. So right. you have to make a reservation in advance, I believe. And you go there and he offers all kinds of, you know, a, he, pen repair and, and custom grinds. And he has a few signature grinds that that he does uh, this one called the uh, natatogi which is meant to mimic um, some yep. vintage montblanc grinds mm. i think he is involved in this new company called lichtop so it's a bit of a tangent but there's a wagner member called tomoko she is a full-time musician i believe but she's also quite a fountain pen enthusiast and also doing a nib grinding or at least nib adjustment and she recently started this company called uh, Lichtop and she is selling pens and inks and paper. Ink she sells is uh, two, two exclusive Tone and Limbs inks and the pens she sells are these Taiwanese uh, Penlux pens. I think she has an exclusive black version of it and she's selling these letter writing kits, these Japanese Ipitsusen letter writing kits which I think were produced in collaboration with Beshori, who is a famous Japanese hand lettering artist. So this is sort of a, um, mm. a spin-off from Wagner. And I'm pretty sure that Morrison is involved because he is at least uh, promoting this Lichtop business uh, heavily. Yeah. And then the last thing about Wagner is that it's quite a old club. <laughs> yes, that's, that's definitely true. There's this new generation, you know, the, the, the Kakuno hackers and so on. But you're right that if you go to the Suidobashi meetings in particular, that's definitely predominantly an, an older generation and mostly male. They are into vintage pens. 
Um, yes, and, and they know each other very well that they have been doing this for right. decades. Yeah, and it's a bit of an old boys club. But let's contrast this with uh, Bunga Joshi and Ink Numa and Kamihaku and these more ink-oriented events, which seem to yes, be so, more Yes, so Kamihaku female. is interesting because it, it's a show that is all about paper. So this is the, the place where you will find all kinds of notebooks, including these beautiful Japanese artisan, you know, handmade notebooks. And you find all kinds of washi paper, you find postcards, planner fills, and so on. And this is a big show because the venue, the venue is the same as for Tokyo International Pen Show. But Tokyo International Pen Show is just one floor. Kamihaku is two floors. So this is a very big event, but it's not the biggest stationary event here. The biggest one, mm. I believe, is Bungu Joshi Haku, which is held once a year in December, I believe. And it's held out in um, Tokyo Ryutsu Center, out in Tokyo Bay, which is this enormous exhibition hall. And that is, this is very much a stationary show. It's all kinds of stationary. There is some fountain pen stuff. I've been there once and I saw Nagasawa, I saw Sailor, I think I saw Kobayashi too. But it's a lot of washi tape, there's a lot of ballpoints, there's a lot of planners and so on. But uh, last year or the year before, there were mm. 35,000 attendees. So this is an enormous show. Right. And people are saying, oh, tape's got 3,000 people, biggest pen show. But clearly there are some bigger players. And last year they did a spin-off show called Inkunuma, which was fantastic because it, so we talked earlier about these small retail sh shops all over Japan in like Fukushima, in, in Shizuoka, in Aomori, whatever. At this Inkunuma show, all of these retailers finally came together so you could buy all of those Kobayashi inks, the Hirayama Mandendo inks, the Pentonote inks, the Usagiya inks, all in one place. And of course, Given how popular ink is right now, there was a lot of people uh, at this event. And I know this already planned for a new event this year, and uh, I'm right. sure there will be even more people. And of course, as with any ink event, uh, they had their own show exclusive inks. So Bungu Joshi had teamed up with Sailor to produce a line of um, inks called Koi Moyo. And you have to line up early if you wanted to get a chance to buy those. And we also knew that some of the vendors like Kobayashi and Usagia, they had told people in advance that they had limited stock. So people really wanted to get there early to buy the most sought after inks. Right. And um, they, it was crazy because yes. you actually had to buy tickets to go into the show in advance. And it wasn't like they were unlimited and you could only buy um, a certain number of, uh, yeah. there were only a certain number of tickets released for the show and the show was divided yes, yes, yes. So, into three parts uh, wasn't it? Like the morning and early afternoon and then like evening something like that right and so you had like two or three hours actually very well yeah. organized because you didn't have to pay at each table instead you got a big shopping cart and you just added whatever ink yep. uh, you wanted from all the booths and then and then you, you paid for all of it in the end which of course was also very dangerous because you didn't have a clear idea of how much you had spent until you stood there at the cash register and, and realized that you had bought way too much ink yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and then they replenished um during each session so it was over two days um six sessions mm. and each session had its own replenishment 
So just because you got the first session yeah. doesn't mean that you get a better. Yes, yeah, so, so, so this was a very popular show, but it wasn't the only like ink centric show. I think the first one was last year or the year before. Itoya had its own show called Ink Ink Ink, and the concept was that they had, I think, one thousand different types of ink, one thousand different uh, bottles. So you could go there, or you, you paid, and and you got a little ink testing notebook and, and a dip pen, and you, you get to walk around and and sample all the inks, and then you could buy whichever inks you wanted. The difference, I think, between the Ink Ink Ink. And the Ink Numa show was that while Ink 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 had more uh, more international inks, you had Ackerman, your your, your Diamond, your uh, Private Reserve, all kinds of uh, foreign brands. The Ink Numa show was almost entirely Japanese, so it was all of these regional store exclusive uh, sailor inks. Yeah, and um, I went to Ink 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 this year, and I would certainly say that Ink Numa was more fun more um more interesting they had many more inks that uh that were special that you don't see often even from these online retailers and the countryside retailers and i think that really highlights the difference between the kind of traditional old brick and mortars and these newer um again more younger yeah focused, i think that's true too focused. and uh, there's a third uh, ink centric show that was also popular and that was a tono and limbs own ink show so they have had like two or three of them so far so uh, the idea is they, they they gather together all of these uh, shops that sell tono and limbs ink so you can buy them all in one place you have you know end paper and so on the last one was in uh, okamotoya which is a, a stationary retailer that show wasn't as well organized as some of the others did you want to explain why yeah um so okamotoya is a uh, retailer and they own this office building out in a place called toranomo it's fairly close to ginza so it, it's fairly central uh, the interesting thing about them is that they open on weekdays and Saturday, but they don't open on Sundays and they close at six o'clock in the evening. So it's not exactly, um, it's not exactly uh, worker friendly, but um, they are a very old, um, very storied, I believe, uh, retailer of stationery, not just the fountain pens, but stationery in general. And they're kind of one of the old players. So that's why they have this entire building. And usually, regularly, when you go there, you can go to the first and the second floor. But um, for the event, they opened up their office spaces on, I think, first, second, third, fourth, and 10th floor. So not all the floors were open. But uh, because the, the space is not regularly used for events and um, the organization, especially in terms of the foot flow, the traffic management um, wasn't very strong. An example of this would be that in order to go up, you either take the elevator or the stairs, but there's only one elevator. So it goes all the way up to the 10th floor and all the way down. But then in the stairs, the stairwell is quite small because it's, if you can imagine a smaller office building near Ginza, it's, it's not exactly the largest space you have. So you have you had a lot of people, I would say you know, hundreds of people lining up on the on the stairwell. It was difficult to get up and down. Um, our friend who went, uh, she got to the first floor, looked around, looked at the, the line and said, I have a headache. I can't go up there anymore. 
but um, but it wasn't very well organized in terms of the traffic and the foot flow. So as a result, you had this chaotic situation where um, a lot of people weren't able to get what they wanted and uh, didn't know where things were. But at the same time, it was it was quite an interesting show because you had, I think, every single tonal yeah. limbs ever And they were meant to do another show, show like that this month, but because of the virus situation, it has now been postponed to April, but I'm not sure that that will happen either. Eventually, they will do another one of, of these shows. They're actually still kind of fun because it feels like a, a treasure hunt, right? It's a flea market. Yeah, but definitely not as well run as uh, as Inkonuma, which I think is probably the best run show that we have in Japan. All right, now let's move on to our next segment of Q&A. Jacob, we have had a lot of questions submitted by... Um, by people that I sourced from Slack and Instagram. And there are some really interesting questions here. So let's get right into it. Yep. Um, Inky Cat writes, asks, what is your favorite grind to use and for Tokyo Station pens to do? So I think uh, this is a question just on, you know, what we use daily and for me, what I like to make or grind for other people. So why don't you start us off, Jacob? Sure. So for me, I would say, as my Instagram account name suggests, I do like Fudi Nibs. I do like the fact that they give you these broad brush-like strokes. They're very fun to use for hand lettering, for example. I also like a Concord Nibs. And actually, a bit of a tangent, I just read in a recent issue of Shumino Bungubaku about the history behind the Concord Nib. It was explained that an artist came to Sailor's Nib Grinder Nagahara and asked for a nib for drawing, and that became the Concord Nibs. Very interesting. And uh, the third one I would mention is Naginata Togi. Both of us like Naginata Togi Nibs. Uh, I don't <laughs> write much Japanese with my Naginata Togi Nibs. So for me, a Naginata Togi is more of a more forgiving and perhaps more refined version of an architect nib. So you still get mm. some of that, those broad side strokes, but uh, you don't risk you know, cutting through the paper if you don't hold it at the you know, intended angle. So those would be the three nibs for me. Right. And Jacob, you are, you are a left-handed underwriter. I'm a left-handed underwriter, but it works perfectly for me. Yeah. And, uh, and interesting because I think mostly you write cursive uh, with your Naginata Togis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, I do enjoy the Naginata. Um, I have to admit that I'm not very good with it, but I, I do enjoy writing with it. Uh, and I am trying to practice more uh, Japanese and Chinese handwriting. So that helps. I've also found that um, for the best looking Chinese characters, it's actually not the Naginata, but the Fude Nibs. So in uh, the Chinese speaking areas, they actually call the Fude Nib, they call it the calligraphy grind. So um, that's one of my favorites as well. I've been, uh, I've been studying and trying to make these. And then um, finally, for my own personal use, for English language writing, I usually use uh, obliques, oblique italics, as well as a flex. So if they're not flex, they're oblique or flexi oblique. Now, as for the ones that I like to grind, um, I really think that um, there aren't a lot of people who grind 
naginatas in general, and and they're quite difficult because uh, you need to get this uh, balance in terms of symmetry, but also it's it's quite difficult to get that sharp um, point correct for the for the harai stroke that you mentioned earlier. But I do like making those. Um, I also like flexifying 14k pilot nymphs. That's probably uh, more of my signature that that I do. I do a three time flex music nib, though those are quite complex and, and takes quite a long time to make. Um, and then of course, uh, when I grind for myself, I always grind into a oblique italic. All right, so let's move on to our next question. Um, let's see. Bbox from Slack asks, what's the most friendly, a uh, fountain pen friendly paper in Japan? Is it also Tomoe River? I know you have a lot to say about this. So I'm not actually sure what's the most popular one, but I remember uh, not long ago, I went to this uh, store called Kakimori in uh, Kuramai. Mm. So Kakimori is this really interesting notebook store. Their concept is that you make your own notebook. So you go there, you mm. choose your own paper, you choose your own binding, you choose your own uh, covers and so on, and they make it for you. And they have this big bookshelf full of various kinds of paper, many of which we had never heard of before. And mm. for each paper type, this little description, like they describe, you know, the properties of that paper and whether it is fountain pen friendly. And I remember for Tomoe River, they had this, this motto. So it, it was fountain pen friendly, but it was not the, the ultimate in fountain pen friendliness. There were a few other paper types. I think it was some kind of mm -hmm. food scrap that was considered even more fountain pen friendly. I think also bank paper, if you can't remember exactly, but there were definitely a few types that were more considered by Kakimori to be more fountain pen friendly. Mm. So um, actually, uh, you know, kind of to jump in on a separate tangent as well, uh, this actually links quite well to one of the another questions that uh, that we received at Dara Pens on Instagram asks, why Japanese stationery, specifically paper, is so much more fountain pen friendly? Uh, so when you went to Kakimori, what, were there any hints? Well, so no, because they, they didn't really describe, if I remember correctly, I mean, what they meant by fountain pen friendliness. But that, that's what I think you may have a difference. What, what makes paper fountain pen friendly? And since we talked about before that the fact that people use paper planners a lot, they, are, they write their to-do lists and so on on the go or in at cafes and so on. I think people read it. I think people prefer fast drying paper in mm. Japan perhaps consider that to be more important than sheen and shading. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, to answer, try, try to answer both these questions at the same time, I think that um, when you have a market where something is really, really well done, in order to compete, you have to be at least similar in terms of level, right? So uh, I don't want to talk about Tomorrow River, for the moment, but let's say your regular um, campus or uh, life or MD paper, a lot of people are much more familiar with those. And the paper quality is quite frankly, very, very good. So um, I think in order to compete in the Japanese market, 
you need paper that you can write anything with. And I think the uh, relative prevalence of brush pens in Japan, um, and as you mentioned earlier, the Ipitsen that uh, Lichtop uh, is selling, I think the, the point of the Japanese manufacturers is to try to make paper that anybody can write with, with any type of product, any kind of pen. Uh, and of course, then that includes fountain pens. Um, so I think they tried to do more testing with, um, with the products that they produce. And I think that's why you see a um, higher fountain pen friendliness in terms of paper produced in Japan. In terms of the most popular though, I would say for the regular person, you, I think MD is probably more popular than, uh, than Sakai Technical, which produces Tomoe River in terms of their own notebooks. Yeah, I think that's but, probably true. And that goes back to what you said about paper being suitable for different types of pens. I remember yeah. seeing some kind of marketing material for Midori MD, where they specifically talked about how, how nice it is to write on MD paper with pencils. Yep. Because if you have very highly yes. coated paper, then it's not very pencil friendly, right? While yeah. MD paper has this bit of a texture to it, so it's suitable for both pencils and fountain pens. Yes. But on the other hand, the most popular planner is probably Hobonichi. I'm not sure if that's the case. At the end of the year, you have these shops everywhere selling planners. The bigger shops, your Itoyas and so on, they have, you know, Jibun Techo, Hobonich and so on. But if you go to your local bookstore around the corner, they're going to have High Tide and Midori and Nolti, which are sort of mm, cheaper, yes, ty cheaper types of planners. So um, Midori makes their own planner? Yeah, so, so I think the parent company Midori is Design Field or something like that. And they have a wide right. range of uh, planners across, right. across their brands. And they make plotters yes. too, right? Um, but yeah, I would say generally MD paper is probably uh, more prevalent in the market. Um, Tomoe River, they have their own line of notebooks that is, uh, that's made by Sakai Technical. But I think those notebooks are not very common, the, uh, the Tomoe River notebooks. What is more common is then the Hobonichi. So most of the Tomoe River you find in Japan is either in loose leaves or in um or in homonichi that's how i feel yeah nowadays you're starting to see this sakai technical paper notebooks but that is a recent thing you're right that people used hobonichi before they, they used the the sakai technical notebooks yeah and uh sorry to go off on another tangent but um the founder of hobonichi uh is the creator of the video game mother that i did not know <laughs> so actually a lot of um a lot of again going back to fandom a lot of people know um hobonichi as associated even with nintendo so that's uh that's kind of interesting and they've released a book about um about the former nintendo president and basically their friendship so it, it's quite interesting but anyways um are we ready to move on to our next uh and Let's final question all right so a lot of people ask this but uh Methanius asks, are there Western products the Japanese revere in the same almost mythical way 
Westerners revere some Japanese products, and uh, and on the same along the same lines, Sir Jerkface from Slack asks, "What are the most prevalent slash popular Western pens and stationary items in Japan?" All right, so I think this is an easy one, Jacob. Yeah, so the, I'll say the the three most popular uh, Western pen brands would be Montblanc, Pelican, but also Lamy. I would say. You have a lot of older collectors who have uh, all kinds of pelicans, all kinds of vintage models and so on. So, so there's a lot of pelican collecting going on and many. Mm-hmm. And if you go to your local Steyer bookstore and office supply store, there's not necessarily fountain pen uh, focus. They might have a Lama Safari and possibly a, a Pilot Kakuna, but no other types of fountain pens. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think pelican, you really got to run on the head that uh, a lot of older collectors collect Pelican. And with Mont Blanc, um, talking to uh, one of our friends, and basically this has to really go back to the 70s and the 80s with the bubble era in Japan, where Japanese businessmen with uh, wads of cash flying around basically just walked into the store and bought the most expensive thing there was. Uh, and so... This, this friend that I talked to, her father would only buy Mont Blanc, not that he used it, but because it had the little white star. And that was quite important socially back then. Um, I think Lamy, yes, there is a lot of Lamy uh, flying around. And if you go to Itoya, most of the time, the first floor has some kind of Lamy dedicated um, display. I found in the wild that a lot of people use the Lamy ballpoint pen. Uh, and I feel like those are, are pretty popular. But I would so also, yeah, go on. You just want to add to that that one Lamy model that is popular in the West, but that but you don't see much of in Japan is Lamy uh, 2000. Lamy 2000. Because that is definitely not an entry level pen here in Japan. You you, you can mm. get a, a pretty nice Sailor Prophet 21 for less than a Lamy 2000. Right, right. And um, they don't advertise the Lamy 2000 in Itoya, do they? They they advertise the dialogue three that's true that's true yeah so that's quite interesting and you don't really see the dialogue three outside i guess in uh in most of lamy's marketing materials but then the last brand i want to add to this actually is aurora yeah that's that's true um so there there are two types of Mm -hmm. of shops sort of lifestyle stores like delphonix they usually have their the, the lower end auroras and then of course you go to to, to, right. the, to the bigger stationary stores and they have their 88s and optimus and so on and you also see them a lot online yeah. on you know the, the popular instagram account series yeah i think uh, you've just really hit it um hit the nail right on the head with the instagram a lot of uh really cool instagram accounts that you have in japan they're all using auroras so i'm thinking um addicted planner yeah. uh or addicted planner stickers. I don't remember exactly the account name, and also Aya. She's using um, she's using Aurora. So I think Aurora is definitely something that's gaining a lot of traction yeah. here in Japan. All right, so that ends uh, Tokyo Inklings episode one. Um, hope you all enjoyed this content. We really look forward to hearing your feedback, um, things that you would like us to talk about to incorporate. Um, maybe some things that you would like us to delve deeper on we'd love to hear more from you 
Jacob, do you have anything else? No, that's pretty much it. Obviously, this is the first episode. We haven't quite figured out the format yet, but uh, hopefully we, we will figure this out eventually. Yeah. Then with that, again, I'm CY. You can find me at Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram. That's Tokyo Station Pens uh, on Instagram. And yes, Jacob? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at foodafan, and I also have a blog at foodafan.com. So we'll see you next right. time. Bye-bye.